and good morning to you all. And can I also wish you all a very happy new year? It's really good to be with you. Some of you are probably thinking it's still too close to Christmas. Why have we dived into 1 Kings and reading about Elijah? Um, because it's that strange period of time. And does anyone know what day of the week it is? I haven't a clue. It's that period of time in the year when we don't know quite what's going on. We've looked at a passage, or we're going to look at a passage, hopefully, that will be have some relevance to the new year and to what we're doing um, and what lies ahead. Because as we know, there are many, many titles and names giving, given to the living God of the Bible, the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Sometimes we miss these names and titles because of our modern English translations. But each one of these titles or names of the living God tell us something new and different about the character and work of the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So as we begin a new year, I want to use this brief incident from the life of the prophet Elijah to think a little bit about just one of these titles. It'll be useful to have that passage open in front of you, so if you have closed your Bibles, it's 1 Kings 17, and I think it's page 358 in your Bibles. 358, 1 Kings 17. And we're hopefully going to see just how reflecting, even just for a few moments, on one of these titles, this title can be a, a huge blessing and a source of deep and lasting joy for us, not just on New Year's Day, but on every day. The title isn't actually obvious and there to us in 1 Kings 17, but the title or name we're going to think about is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, J-I-R-E-H, if you want to see it. It's a title that um, means, translated, the Lord will provide. Or some other translations have it, the Lord will see to it. And if you're one of those people who's familiar with the King James Version, you'll know that it's a, we actually read the words Jehovah Jireh in the Old Testament in the King James Version. We first find it back in Genesis chapter 22, which many of you will know is when Isaac's called to offer his son as a sacrifice. He's, he's called to offer the son whom he loves. And you remember that the angel of the Lord stopped Abraham and created a substitute, a ram, to be offered instead. And Abraham knew that this ram was a sign pointing forward to something else to come, to a better sacrifice, to the ultimate sacrifice, to the Lamb of God. But Abraham named the place after the Lord in that incident and called that place on Mount Moriah, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh. And we find that title, that description of the living God, rolling on through the Bible. And, uh, and again, unfortunately, we sometimes miss it. And we skip forward a few hundred years, and then out of the blue, 1 Kings 17, we find Elijah. And it is funny, isn't it? Because Elijah is virtually out of the blue. Elijah just lands in 1 Kings 17. If you're one of those people who likes backstories and looking for genealogies, go and see if you can find Elijah's. Because suddenly you're reading through Kings, all oh, the kings did this, the kings did that. Now Elijah appeared. Whoa, hang on, who's he? Where does he fit in? Who's his father? Where's his mother fit into all this? No, we don't know any of that. Elijah just arrives in 1 Kings 17. We, ne we know next to nothing about his background, but we do know from 1 Kings 17 verse 1 that Elijah is an obedient servant of the Lord. Do you see it there? Elijah the Tishbite from Gal Tishbe in Galilee said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, that's who he is, I'm his servant, and I am doing what he tells me to do. I'm delivering this message to you. Even though Elijah is a servant of the Lord, even though he does what the Lord asks him to do, life for Elijah is tough. 
The physical drought that Elijah speaks of here is a sign of the spiritual drought that the Old Testament church was in at the time. This was a tough time to be a follower of Jesus. Elijah does what he's told, and then the first thing he has to do is run off and hide. And the fact that Elijah is told to hide in the east is a sign of him being sent away, cut off, almost exiled. Get away from this place. Go away and hide. And he's sent off into exile in the east. But I think even there, before we get much more into the passage, there are lessons for us to learn. Elijah was a servant of the Lord, doing what the Lord told him to do, yet life was tough. Finding the Christian life tough does not mean that we're doing it wrong. That, I think, should be blindingly obvious, and yet sometimes don't we struggle when things go wrong, we suddenly think, what am I doing wrong? Finding the Christian life difficult is not a sign we're doing something wrong. It's not a reason to stop seeking to follow Jesus. It's not a prompt to change the message that we're sharing with people. Finding the Christian life difficult isn't a punishment for sins we've committed. Finding the Christian life difficult is a normal part of the Christian life. Some of you are immediately thinking, hang on a minute, this is New Year's Day. I'm looking for something a lot more joyful than this. Being told that the Christian life is difficult isn't why I came here today. But there is a sense of joy and encouragement and fellowship if we together know and accept that's the case. And then we meet together week by week and help each other and share each other and encourage. We can sometimes even drop our Sunday faces and admit that life can be difficult. And if we do that, we suddenly find that everyone else in the church feels like that. And then we find encouragement and we find joy. Finding the Christian life difficult is a normal part of a servant of Jesus. We follow in the footsteps of one who was despised and rejected and exhausted and disbelieved and utterly spent. So we should expect no different. Do you think this is what Elijah expected the Christian life to be like? I just wonder, there's Elijah He arrives on the scene, he declares this message as he's being obedient as a servant of God, and then suddenly he's whisked away into exile and is hiding, and is by a brook being fed in strange circumstances. Do you think that was on Elijah's bucket list? Do you think he was one of those people who made New Year's resolution? This year, uh, I'm going to be fed meat by unclean birds and live on my own in exile by a river. I'm not sure that was how he envisage things we're going to do. And perhaps our lives haven't quite gone the way that we thought they might. And perhaps they won't in 2023. Some of you will remember a great sermon that Chris Webb preached in this church some years ago. And do you remember the graph he said? He said, Christian life, sometimes we think Christian life is going to be this steady incline like this, and that we're going to grow and mature as we go on in our Christian life. And do you remember what Chris said? He said, it's not, it's like this. This is what the Christian life's like, isn't it? And it is. And that, that image is stuck with me because that is the reality for, for many of us. It seems to be that way for Elijah, this obedient servant of the Lord. It hasn't quite gone the way he planned it. Our lives might not have gone the way we planned it, and they may not in the year ahead. But look at verse 4. This is key, verse 4. While Elijah's hiding and running away, look at verse 4. The Lord says, You will drink from the book, for I have, <clears throat> I have ordered or instructed the ravens, to feed you there. Elijah might have felt that he was in exile, that he was on his own, that he'd run away. The living God says, I'll see to it. I'll provide. 
I can sort, even in those circumstances, I can sort it. I have directed, I will see it, I have ordered, whatever those words are in your translation, I will see to it, Jehovah Jireh, I will provide. Even in those tough, difficult times that Elijah may not have chosen for himself. For himself. This is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides at work, in action. His, per, his servants in places they don't want to be, feeling estranged and cut off, yet the Lord says, I've directed it, I'll see to it. You're mine, I care for you, I love you, I'll provide. Jehovah Jireh. Wherever he leads us, wherever he drives us, wherever he takes us or sends us, he will provide. And notice throughout this passage, it's daily provision that the Lord provides. Do you see that in verse 6? In verse 6, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. It's a daily provision. That great prayer that um, Russ said at the beginning about how we want steady incomes and the Lord invites us to daily dependence. That's what we see here, daily dependence. Elijah gets what he needs each day. It's like the bread of heaven of the people in the wilderness, isn't it? Don't, don't go and collect some for tomorrow. By doing that, you're demonstrating your lack of faith. Can you trust me for tomorrow? That's what the Lord's asking, and that's what he's demonstrating here with Elijah. That's why Jesus taught us to pray every day that the Father would give us what we need each day in the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need today. Our minds immediately think, yeah, but what about tomorrow and next week and next month and the rest of the year? Yeah, says Jesus, you can't organize yourself and plan all your life out. Leave that to me. You deal with today and the rest of it I'll sort out. That's in my hands. I have the resources of the entire universe at my disposal. I love you and I care for you. Trust me for today. That's where the living God is and that's where he is with Elijah. Here, every single day there is provision. Jehovah Jireh, in unusual ways sometimes the Lord provides, sometimes in miraculous ways, but daily. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord's seeing to it in difficult places, at difficult times, but daily, each day. So there's Elijah. It's difficult, it's tough, but he is being provided for then we get to verse 7. Do you see that in verse 7? I find verse 7 particularly tough. Sometime later, the brook dried up. Sometimes later, the provision that the living God had provided for Elijah stopped. Sometime later, the Lord seems to say enough to Elijah. I think that's particularly tough. That verse has always, I've struggled with that verse because it seems that this is a hard, hard time. For Elijah, we have an obedient servant of the Lord in tough and barren times, finding the Lord Jesus able to sustain him and care for him daily, and then suddenly the provision's gone, stops. The brook runs dry. Now what? Now what? Now what does a servant of the Lord do? Now what does a follower of Jesus do when the Lord Jesus sometimes says, we're going to stop that? Surely Elijah, who we know as we read on in the rest of his life, was prone to times of crippling depression, to self-pity, to doubt, to discouragement. Surely Elijah was thinking to himself, now what am I going to do? Why, Lord? How am I going to cope? How am I going to survive? What have I done wrong? Why do I deserve this? It seems like the time of daily provision has come to an end. What are we meant to do when the living God seems to stop caring for us, stop providing for us? Haven't some of us felt like that at times? 
Jesus could have allowed the brook to continue to run and for Elijah to continue to provide in that way. He chose not to. Why? Before we see in the second part of this incident, I think it's a legitimate question to ask ourselves, has our brook run dry? Has my brook run dry? I know it sounds a little cheesy, but it's not meant to, because if we have never experienced in the Christian life a time where we just feel that we haven't got enough, that the tanks are empty, we can't keep going on, there's nothing more to give, we just don't know how we're going to get through another day. If we've never experienced in that in our Christian life, there's every chance we will at some stage. It may even be in the year ahead. There may be days or times like that. It's almost certain as we follow Jesus that that is what's going to happen. But even then, even in those times, we can take heart, we can be encouraged, we can find strength and lasting deep joy and help because of what happens in the second part of this short reading, which I think is so important and so encouraging. Because Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide. Because just as the Lord commanded or ordered the ravens in verse 4, now he's commanded or ordered a widow in verse 9 to be the means by which he'll sustain and care for his servant Elijah. And Elijah sent, I don't know whether you picked this up, but did you get where he sent to? He sent to Zarephath in Sidon. I don't know how you are with biblical geography. I'm not very good, so I had to look it up. That is the heart of Baal worship. That is the midst of the enemy camp. That is the worst place you can be as a follower of Jesus because it puts you in a totally, you're in the enemy's stronghold. That's where he's told to go. And he's not told to go and meet a king there or a powerful garrison commander, somebody who's going to look after him. He's sent to Zarephath of Sidon, which is where Ahab and his filthy, disgusting wife Jezebel have their home, and he's told to go to a widow. A widow. Widows feature so strongly as key characters throughout the Bible. If you're one of those people who likes doing traces through the Bible, just look at the word widow each time it appears. Just see what the Bible says about widows. Extraordinary. Lessons to learn. And this isn't a wealthy widow with a really good life insurance payout that she can live on. Now, as we read it, this widow is on her last legs. She's gathering sticks to cook her final meal before she gives up the fight. It's so sad, isn't it? It's so desperate to hear this woman's description of where she's at. Yet it's here, in the enemy camp, with this person, in these circumstances, that the Lord says, that's where I want you to be, so that I can demonstrate to you I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who can, who will provide. The Lord had already instructed this widow to provide for Elijah, although she's somewhat sceptical about it herself, isn't she? She doesn't know quite how this is all going to work out. She's about to prepare her last supper, yet she goes and fetches the water. She cooks food for a stranger, even though she's on the verge of death. And even though she's got scarcely enough for herself and her son, she gives out. It's the same sort of faith, I think, isn't it, that lives in another unnamed widow who took both of her small copper coins and put them in the temple treasury for the Lord, not keeping one back for herself, but putting both in. Yet once again, we see the daily provision. It's verse 15. We see every day there is enough that's required. I love that laughing, actually. Don't worry at all. It's great to hear James laughing. Hallelujah. I've got a microphone as well. He hasn't, so. 
the jar of oil never ran dry. Every day, that little miraculous jar, every time she went to it, everything she needed was there. Everything that Elijah needed was provided for. It does seem that one of the many dangers that we might face as we seek to serve Jesus and make him known is that we can start to take him for granted. We can start to take for granted the blessings that he showers on us. We can easily take for granted the fact that he provides for us all that we need, particularly in the wealthy West and living as we do. Jesus did stop his provision and moved Elijah out of that settled state and shook him up, disrupted Elijah's routines and introduced Elijah to a different way of recognizing the Lord providing for him and caring for him. So when our circumstances change, when we find ourselves sometimes unwillingly being shaken up, being disrupted, losing things that we rely on, losing things that give us comfort, we mustn't assume either that we've done something wrong or that we've fallen out of the loving care of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will see to it. Perhaps Jesus shakes us up sometimes just to remind us how much we need him, how much we need Jesus every single day. Perhaps he's calling us back to daily times of Bible reading, listening to him speak to us, seeking his will. There's a great phrase in the Bible, isn't there? Seeking his face. I don't do that enough. I know I don't do that. And therefore, I sometimes get shaken up because seeking the face of the Lord is one of those things that gives us such a blessing. Perhaps the Lord Jesus shakes up our lives sometimes just to draw us into deeper relationship with him. Maybe he just wants time with us again. And we've dropped into routine and formula and not into seeking him and that deeper daily relationship. Certainly for Elijah, the brook running dry, however difficult it might have seemed, however desperate Elijah would have felt, became the source of a change for Elijah that revealed miraculous evidence of the Lord being Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will see to it, the Lord who provides. And just in passing, notice the change in provision here. In the first part of the chapter, the Kerith ravine, it was um, meat, bread and water. Here, it's flour and oil. There's all sorts we might be able to talk about there. We can't do it in detail now. But just, I think we all know that in the Bible, oil often represents the Holy Spirit. Oil is often a sign of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps the Lord wanted Elijah to know how much Elijah daily needed the Holy Spirit. He needed to be equipped for what lay ahead. If you haven't read the life of Elijah recently, over the next few days, just take a few minutes to read 1 Kings 17, 18, 19. Just follow Elijah. After he arrives on the scene here, he gets this miraculous provision. It's taken away and he's given it again. Then he goes off. Then there's the contest on Mount Carmel. Then there's the incident with Jezebel and Ahab and all that follows. Maybe here the living God is just saying to Elijah, you do know you need the Holy Spirit every day in order to do what lays ahead, don't you? Could that be a useful reminder to us at the beginning of a new year? How much we need the Holy Spirit every day in order to do what lies ahead. For now, let's just recognize and remember that the Lord chooses to withhold his blessings, rain, or his blessings in our lives sometimes. The Lord chooses to do that. 
It's not that he hasn't got the resources. The Lord sometimes chooses to withhold his blessings. However difficult that might sound, however painful it feels, it happens. And our response when that happens reveals so much about our understanding of him and our motivation for following him. It's easy when that happens to get angry, to conclude that he doesn't care. It's easy to doubt him or to think that he hasn't got the power to help us, especially when we're desperate and we've got nothing left. It's into these very times that the way that Jesus and the living God interacts with Elijah seems to have something so powerful and something so encouraging to, to us to say as we embark on a new year. The Lord proves himself to be Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, the Lord who will see to it, always, reliably, daily. He alone is the source of the abundance and energy and spirit-filled new creation life, and he offers it to us each and every day. Jehovah Jireh in new ways. Jehovah Jireh in unlikely ways. Jehovah Jireh every day. It seems to be in times of barrenness and drought that the living God works out his most astonishing purposes. It's in daily pain or daily anxiety or daily depression or daily loneliness that he demonstrates himself to be unlike any other, an ever-present help, always able to provide. He longs to draw us to himself and prove to us that he can always be relied on. If his current source of provision dries up, it doesn't mean we need to fundamentally rethink all of life or how we stand with him. It simply means he wants to do things differently with us. And often it's in the most unlikely ways and sometimes when we're on our knees or we're in tears or we're on our own in complete desperation, that's when he comes. That's when he proves himself to be Jehovah Jireh. So maybe we wouldn't have chosen our life story the way that it is now. Maybe the plans and the uh, aims and the objectives we have for 2023 don't work out the way that we anticipated they would. Maybe our resolutions don't last particularly long. Maybe the year ahead will hold dry, difficult, painful times. The life-changing truth of Jehovah Jireh can and does make such a difference, brings us such help, such joy, such encouragement. If we come daily to him, he will prove himself to be the Lord who provides, the Lord who sees to it every day. Let me just pray.